the assessment actually takes people's responses and filters them into those kinds of teams. There's analyzer teams, there's conductor teams. That's one of the reasons why we would say you'd want to do this is, is because the language that it provides you with and the charts and graphs that you get as a result of it really give you some insight into who you are as a team and then maybe what you need to hire for. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan and I'll be your episode host today, joined by my dear friend and director of operations here at Nolan Consulting Group, Katherine Freeman. In addition to her role as director of operations, Katherine is also a senior business coach. And I asked her to join the podcast today to share the impact of hosting and facilitating a team disc debrief. Now, if you're a listener of the podcast, or work with any of our team here at Nolan Consulting Group, DISC should be a familiar concept, and we've talked to its impact here in a variety of ways throughout our previous episodes. Today's deep dive is no different. The power of a team DISC is tangible, and as you'll hear, and from our own experiences, it's a great way to get your team together, add perspective, and have some fun. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode, and welcome back, Catherine Freeman. Catherine, how are you? Oh, Molly, it's just such a beautiful day today. I'm so happy to be here. It is a beautiful day. The sun is shining, which makes both of us quite happy. Very happy. (laughs) And it's been a little while since actually you and I had done a podcast together. So it's nice to be back. I I have the privilege, obviously, of getting to record with many of our coaches and our clients. So it's nice to come back and revisit with um, some familiar voices. Oh, that's great. Well, today is an interesting topic. um, And... As our listeners know, we love talking about DISC here at NCG. We love talking about DISC on the Out of the Hourglass podcast. We've done DISC in, in regards to understanding different roles in an organization. We've done the fundamentals of DISC recently, how to use it for um, customers and employees. It's just, it's really, it's a wealth of knowledge, Catherine, isn't it? Oh, it is. Oh, it is. And I, you know, when I'm always starting off a conversation with somebody we're very clear to make sure everybody understands there's no right or wrong to the disc, but knowledge is power. It and is. so you know it about yourself when you're learning about yourself. You might know it about a team member, a, a prospective hire, somebody that you might want to promote. But it's all about that knowledge is power component. Mm-hmm. It gives you a new perspective of how you look at yourself and others that you interact with, whether it's personally, professionally, just out in public. Um, So today we're talking about a team disc and the power of doing a team disc and a debrief and really understanding all the individuals that you work with. And Catherine, I thought you were a great candidate for this, um, primarily because you just facilitated an internal NCG team, team disc debrief. It's a tough couple words to say. I know. know. We have to come up with maybe an acronym for that. We do. We do. I'm sure that won't be the first time that I stumble over that combination of words to this episode. Um, So I thought, you know, taking that conversation that we had with the team, and I know we've done it with some other members as well, it's a great opportunity to kind of share it with our listeners and understand 
what it's about, the right environment to do it, what you can learn from that kind of debrief. So let's start, Catherine, for you, when you think about it, what is the purpose of doing a team desk debrief? So there, there are um, actually a, a number of reasons why I would suggest it. Uh, I, I would look at it from a team balance perspective. You know, when we think about the kind of work that an organization does and the roles that complete that organization, do we have the right balance of people on a team? Now, when I say team, I say team pretty broadly. We could consider this to be a leadership team. We could consider this to be a, you know, a production team within an organization. So team can be used pretty broadly. And so are we looking for balance or, or do we have the right people uh, in the roles that are on that team? I, I also think it, I'm sorry. No, see, and you also probably see where there are maybe gaps of where oh, absolutely. You're, you're lacking on the team. Oh, absolutely. There was a couple of years ago that I did one for a business and we looked at it and we realized that we had a pretty significant compliance piece missing from this organization, which was a pretty big commercial operation. And so to not have somebody on the team with compliance as their uh, first behavioral trait meant that things were getting missed and dropped all the time. And we're uh, all so, wondering why. And now we no, understand there's there's not right. a person there who like thinks in that right. way. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, and so but I, I wanna I do want to go back because there's a couple oh, yes, of other please. Two, th- there's one or one or two other things that I would make sure. Like another good purpose of a team debrief would be to understand communication patterns. So part of what we look at on an individual uh debrief is communication do's and don'ts. Now, this particular report, a team report, is not going to have communication do's and don'ts as broadly as that. But as we saw when we were doing our team debrief, there are definitely trigger words that um, are identified and that really resonates with people. You know, uh, one of the things that um, my team, you know, a word that would be something that somebody on my team uh, would not like is ordinary. And, and it just like even saying, and I don't, nobody can see me, but even just saying it, like my shoulders went up and my face kind of made a face. Um, Ordinary plain Jane. That's definitely. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, But so understanding communication patterns. So now we've got balance. Now we've got communication patterns. Um, The third and probably maybe in my opinion, the most impactful is understanding team motivators. So now we understand on a team level what makes the group tick. And you can actually see some of the graphs and charts actually give you really clear indicators of how people are interacting with one another as driven by their motivators and that might you might be identifying well i've got two people on a team that are researching a new crm one of whom is just so delighted to be going deep 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 into the um content and the other of whom is like i i researched one i like this one i don't want to go any farther and that's (laughs) going to create a little bit of conflict so i also um there's, there's a number of different ways and a number of different reasons why I would advocate for it. I mean, it, yeah, just even you saying the things that you just mentioned, it, I'm kind of going back to the conversation and hearing and thinking about the different team members and 
yeah, like you don't like to be ordinary. And, you know, for Colin and Steve Talkington, they're more on a similar type wavelength. Don't tell them to be patient. Don't tell them <gasps> they're inconsistent. Like that, those are trigger words for them. Or thinking about D, D loves to research all the things, but she needs, she needs uh, a time to do it. Like tell her, don't go too deep in this one. Or yes, give me three hours of research because she will, she just has that, that desire to consume knowledge. Right. So it was really interesting how you, how you can think about people differently and really understand, you know, what works for them and what doesn't. Right. So, right. For our team disc debrief, we did, I think there was 10 or 11 of us that um, were involved in the, in the, the full debrief. Um, but when you, you know, Catherine, for the, the companies that you've done this with, who should be involved? What, what's our recommendation for, is it, is it everybody on the team? Is it a certain <laughs> level of people on the well, team? Well, you know, for me, everybody, Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, the, the, function or the technology uh, of the team disc debrief would allow you to do as many participants as you wanted. So you could go deep and do a hundred people. I don't know that I would recommend that. I mean, I, when I'm looking at this, I'm wanting people who can be engaged in an intimate conversation. Now, some of you might think that 10 people is too many for an intimate conversation, but I think if you've got trust on the team, if you've got a certain level of vulnerability that everybody's accustomed to, then you can have a larger group of people having this conversation. What I would say is, is what, what, what get, provides me with parameters is who is on a team. So as I mentioned before, this could be a production team. It could be a sales team. It could be a leadership team. I would want to include as many people as made up that team. Mm -hmm. We recently did one for, um, actually we've done a few for the Webfoot team in general, but we did, I actually facilitated one for the sales team. So we did a, a Webfoot sales team disc debrief and all of the people who were on the sales team participated in that. And it was really cool to see because it was, there were some leadership there were some salespeople. There were also some um, support uh, mm-hmm. people who were on the team. And that that really allows everybody to understand the strengths that people bring to the organization and understand where some of your behaviors might um, differ from others and how that could be, you know, a challenge for somebody else on the team to understand. So uh, in terms of that team, it's who who is who makes up the entirety of the team is, is how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think the report that was created for us, I mean, the 10, I think it allowed, it was a good, a lot of information, but it was solid information. I could see how, if you had a hundred people involved, it could almost get a little convoluted. Like it's oh, yeah. hard, it would be hard to really kind of understand and maybe connect dots. Right. Um, so, it, right. you know, it's important to kind of really think about the right number, the right people who you want to be involved. So the actual creation of this team disc is brought out by everybody completing an individual disc profile That's or correct. disc assessment, um, which many folks that we know we work with have already done. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're going to get your team involved, there's a couple extra discs that have to be completed. But then through TTI, which is the organization that we work with to complete these disc profiles, they create the actual team disc itself. 
So right. we, re- we receive a report similar to an individual assessment report, but it's team oriented. And right. again, it's a, you know, ours is 71, 72 pages of gold information. Um, it, is, it really is. It is right for mining. Yes, um, exactly. It's totally right for mining. I mean, I have it pulled up now, obviously, for kind of just, you know, context in this conversation, but I'm seeing things new or, or being reminded of things that I saw the first time I looked at it. So it's something that you can even kind of go back to on several different occasions and, and see something different. So, but what do we see, Catherine, when we get this report, what, what is it showing us? What are kind of the different areas? So, um, like a, uh, a, a individual disc, there are the, the report that we look at is gen is, uh, broken up into behavioral styles and into, um, driving forces or what some people remember as motivators. Uh, the difference here is that instead of it being just a one-off conversation with the person who has done the individual uh, disc, we're actually now applying some of the language that is in that report to groups of people. So we've got um, in in our situation, for example, um, we actually had 11 people take the, t- take the disc, um, although Steve Talkington um, is on the West Coast and didn't participate. Um, he's a part of our team, and so I included him in the information, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully um, he's taken a look at it because there's a lot of good information in there. But irregardless, um, what we saw is that um, there are, with those 11 people, um, there's a lot of different kinds of behavioral uh, teams. Um, for example, of the people who participated, 45% of our team are actually on a promoter team. Um, promoter team are people who tend to verbalize thoughts to influence outcomes. Wow, right? When we're coaches. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that that the assessment actually takes people's responses and filters them into those kinds of teams. Um, There's analyzer teams, there's conductor teams. Um, What we recognized here is that on our team, we don't have a coordinator function. Um, Why is that? Is it something that's really necessary? Do we have some of the things that fall into a coordinator bucket handled in other areas. I mean, it just prompts questions then too. Like what does our next hire look like? Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why we would say you'd want to do this is, is because the language that it provides you with and the charts and graphs that you get as a result of it really give you some insight into who you are as a team and then maybe what you need to hire for. I found it interesting. So I'm on the relator team, which, you know, it's a blend of our, again, it's a blend of our disc profiles and kind of how right. you fall into these behavioral categories and a relator is more of an IS. And the description is people who tend to take time, think positively and are focused on interpersonal relationships. And so um, I'm not the only one who's a relator on, you know, within the NCG team. We also have Maureen Richard, who is on my team within NCG. She's our client services coordinator. And she and I kind of going through, we're so similar in our, um, in our disc profiles and our behaviors. 
a little bit different in our, in our motivators, but not too much. So, but I was like, oh, that makes just so much sense. Like it, it why is. you and I, why she and I connect really well, how we get along working wise, how she's really, you know, she kind of, she sees things the way that I see things. So she's in the right kind of role in terms of what the person that we were looking for, for the team, right? Or, you know, for the position. So it was kind of like, yeah, we found the right person, what we were looking for, for this position. Right. Exactly. Right. And, you know, I think um, as with all hiring, we recommend a disc because it gives us some insight into who a person is. Uh, but I think that we're, you know, sometimes we, we, aren't looking at the right components where we're, this is, this is a disc profile that we want, and this is what we're looking for. Um, and, you know, making a little room for how the driving forces are going to impact somebody. Like you said, her driving forces don't match yours directly, mm-hmm. um, but they probably round you out, right? They probably yes. round out oh, yes. the, the events department. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it can be, it can be fun to, uh, see how that all works. And then, you know, it's a, in this case, it's a hindsight, right? Oh, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but probably more importantly, as a, as we go forward and as we think about what our strategic growth looks like, and we look at, think about what our, our plans for the future are, we have more data. Now we've got more information to make the next hire really good. So we have all this data. Like I said, we get this 71, 72 page report full of information about our people in an organization. And then you want to actually go through it. You want to dissect it. You want to, you want to have conversations about it. So what is the right time to do this? What kind of environment are we saying? We're going to get everybody together who took the team disc or, or who are a part of the team disc and kind of walk through it. Um, you know, Molly, there is no right time to do something like this. Uh, I know a number of businesses uh, who think about doing this as a part of their annual planning. And I, I certainly think that there's room for it there. But I also feel like this is an opportunity. If you're taking a break mid-year and you're planning uh, some kind of a retreat for your team, um, I would almost put it in there. This is a great team building opportunity. So you can you can not take precious time away from your annual planning and do team building events at another time of the year. So you could do this in the spring before you get really busy. You could do it in August when there's a little bit of a slowdown and maybe your team needs some revitalization. You could do it in the fall ahead of your annual planning, sort of pre- to prepare everybody, get their get their juices flowing, as it were, get their heads into uh, the planning uh, of the strategy for the organization. Mm-hmm. So there's really a lot of really good times to do it. Um, I uh, as I as I said, I think uh, the for me the real key we can we can do this virtually. I mean, I've uh, the last of course because of the pandemic. The, the last number of them that I've done, I have done virtually. Uh, some of it is because of, you know, maybe I wasn't traveling at the time. Some of it is because we've got now teams that are a little bit more spread out and mm-hmm. aren't necessarily coming in. So it can be done virtually, very easily virtually. Uh, but it also can be done in person. Um, and... I feel like when you're doing it in person, uh, it's 
getting out of the office, getting, Mm -hmm. getting it, getting you and the team to a place. It doesn't have to be far. It doesn't have to be in the mountains. Like we went into the mountains. It doesn't have to be any, you know, anything special or fancy, but not having the phones there, not having your, your schedule, not having, you know, the, the whiteboard that's giving you your goals and where you are according to your goals, whatever that might be getting out of the environment a little bit so that you can be focusing on what this team building stuff is all about. Yeah. I think that's important. I mean, I think if we had done it in the office, I'll, myself included, when I say this, we would be thinking about, you know, what are the other things we have to do today to get done? You know, this is just taking up a component of the day. It's great, but you know, I've got a two o'clock call or I've got to get this done before, before we wrap. So to do it in an environment where it was relaxed and we had to, we had an agenda, but it was an loose, it was a loose agenda for the day. Um, but it allowed, which might've draw, driven a little, you know, some of our people a little bit crazy. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so it's important to recognize, like, you know, it's a, it needs to be a relaxed environment, an environment that allows for conversation that allows for people to, to, you know, to analyze or see what their, what the report is saying, and then to generate discussions around it. I mean, that came about in, in our own conversations. I, you know, I would read something or, or read something that, you know, about myself. And I would say, Andrew, see, when you run to me and, and ask me to do something, I'm processing it for a second. I'm not, I can't give you an immediate response. This is why, like, there's the information right there. Right, so right. allowing you to see like how you interact, it's just like, in, it's like in black and white on paper. This is why it I is. Am. It really <laughs> is. It really, really is. And um, again, back to that knowledge is power. Now we, now as, as leaders in our organizations, we can understand that Sometimes when you're looking at somebody who might be giving you a blank look, it's not that they don't get it or that they don't understand the question or that they don't understand the assignment. It's that they are processing or, or maybe they need to go away for a moment and think about what their questions are and then come back to you. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that to me is where this comes in so handy because I can now understand people's responses and, you know, and I can understand my own too, which that's, that's probably. Yeah. I mean, it's important to recognize others as much as it is to recognize our own responses to to situations. Um, So let's talk about our retreat a little bit. So we, we went up to uh, the Poconos, which is the kind of the mountains of um, Northeastern Pennsylvania. And we just spent a day in, in kind of one quick overnight with our team and one of the components that we did was this team desk debrief and we did it in the morning and you facilitated it. And Catherine, when you think about, you know, looking back at that conversation, what are some things that stand out to you? What are some maybe lessons learned from that exercise? You know, I think um, as a facilitator, and I've, like I said before, I've done a number of these um this was a, a really great opportunity doing it with the team. Like I said before, you know, there's a level of vulnerability. There's also a level of safety that comes into play. I got a lot of great feedback after the after the um, conversation itself. I need to make more room for different kinds of disc profiles. I need to make more room to understand who the participants are and maybe what their individual needs are. So we had a I thought was a really great, you know, 
three-hour conversation about the DISC profiles, about driving forces. You know, so many people were engaged, but, you know, Colin was like, yeah, we could have wrapped that up after 30 minutes. <laughs> um, he didn't actually say that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm hyper, I'm, um, well, I'm making, I'm making a joke there, but yeah. he didn't actually say that, but it, it does. It, it, it brings to mind that if you're doing something like this, um, you got to honor all the disc profiles that are on there, right? We're talking about honoring people and their differences. And mm-hmm. it turns out that I wasn't doing that my own self in the preparation and facilitation of it. So what I learned was um, there is likely, and this is why I would say doing something as part of a team building exercise makes a lot of sense because then you can do 45 minutes of a piece of it you can take a break. And by that, I don't mean take a 10 minute break and answer phone calls. I mean, you can break for something different that maybe is a part of the agenda. You can come back to it, mm-hmm. have another 45 minute conversation. Um, I wouldn't cut down the overall time of it. I think, in fact, there's probably more things that we could have talked about. We just were really trying hard to make sure that we had playtime, fun time in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, but but I would I would rearrange it differently. So I mean, you know, Andrew, Sydney, they weren't done talking about it. So the flip side of it is not just that I need to be aware of the disc profiles of the attendees and make room for them to break, but I also want to honor the people who are really getting a lot of good information about this and make sure that they get what they need to. Absolutely. It's a really good point. We're were you surprised by anything on the our team disc results in itself? Well, I think that um, what I had said earlier was a was a surprise to me. Like I, when I think about a team, I'm I'm almost maybe like it's an unconscious bias to say, oh, we just need balance, right? Everybody needs balance. Every team needs balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be that in our organization, which is highly interpersonal. You know, we're a high touch organization. We work with our clients. We are client facing. Um, it, it could very well be that we need to have more of that I component than other organizations do. And that, but that was a surprise to me when I looked at it. Our team, as I mentioned before, we had 45% of our team is in that promoter category. And that probably is right for us. Mm-hmm. And makes a lot of sense given the amount of time that we just even spend on the phone with people. We've got to be verbal. So I think it's uh, it's it, it's interesting to take that kind of information and then maybe translate it back into the industry that you're in. Um, if I were talking to a, a total team of carpenters and we had more sort of I influence verbal and not enough C or compliance might be a little problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Because so much of what carpenters do is about the details, measure twice, four times, cut once. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's about understanding what the team is. I most enjoyed um, going through the comparison charts on the, the report itself. So within the behavioral section and then within the driving forces section, it kind of each section kind of wraps with a behavioral style comparison or a driving forces style comparison. So it's kind of where the, you know, the characteristics are. So, you know, behavioral, you have 
people oriented, customer oriented, competitive, urgency, analysis, and how as individuals, we all rank on that. And mm-hmm. it was really, really kind of funny to look at some of the results and see, you know, Brian is a 99 here, but D is a 25 here and like in the same area. And you're like, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. It really, really does. Um, So kind of looking at that graph and we were all kind of, you know, calling some things out and it just, you know, it was both um, really interesting to see, but also kind of comical at the same time. Cause when you just like, when you just see your, your culture or your interactions on paper, you're just like, wow, there we are. (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, the conversations that came out of it, So that's why I do. And like you were saying earlier, Mm -hmm. when Andrew comes to you and needs something and you need a minute to process, there was so much conversation around. That's why I do. Um, Or that's why you do like, oh, that's why. Um, So, you know, that's that can be impactful in your ability to be productive. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's big. And and an important thing that I'm going to mention too, is make sure if if this is something that you do understand, do the, do the reading and, and, and kind of of the definitions behind the characteristics. I mean, there's one in particular that's called organized workplace. And I looked at it in both myself, um, you, Catherine, Maureen, we were all really low and I was like almost offended. I was like, no, no, my desk is clean. I need an organized work environment to work in. Like I can't be, I can't be messy. And Sydney corrected me. She goes, it's actually not what you're thinking. It's not about a clean workplace. It's kind of how you work through things during the day. And that, that made sense. Like I have a list of things and and responsibilities that I'm working through in a day, but I am bopping in and out of each one at all different times based upon the urgency that's needed for each one. And also, you know, both Maureen and I, our, our hands are involved in so many different things. We can't have a defined structure to our day. And that's what the organized workplace kind of really was was speaking to. Right. But I needed that awareness. So it's definitely a, a kind of a good um, recommendation is really take note of what what you're reading and making sure you're understanding what it's interpret the interpretation of it. Right. And, you know, the report itself does a great job of giving us that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's a little, it's a little easy to, to miss that, especially when you're talking about a 72 page document, right? right? There's a lot of stuff in there. So that's one of the things that we recognize. And so while it gives us a, a wealth of information, we also can edit that down. So we can edit it down and, you know, give you um, a report that is more finite. And better matches maybe the information that you're going to want to cover if you're doing a team retreat or gives you the information that you're going to want to discuss with your team so that you're not looking at extraneous information. I mean, I feel that same way about the the, the DISC report itself. You know, there's so much stuff in there that you know, you almost can get obscured, right? It, you can almost, it's like um, not being able to see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can edit that down. And, you know, get you the information. These are the charts that you want to look at. Here's the definition of each of those things without having all the extra other fluff. Yeah, because the charts are almost like, like they're like the candy. That's when you, when you, when you're like scrolling through the report, you're like, you're going for the colorful charts that are giving you the information. Um, But you got to look at, 
maybe this is really a bad analogy, but you gotta understand the wrapper too, like what it's, you, you know, how it's kind of being packaged. So, um, yeah, being able to, to deliver in a way where you're, you're getting the candy and the wrapper at the same time is really important. Um, right. but yeah, it could probably be shortened down from the 71 to a, to a smaller, oh, reasonable, yeah, reasonable to a smaller um, amount. Catherine, anything else that you'd like to add kind of about the team disc and just, you know, the power of it, the importance of it, um, or who, you know, if, if there's a, somebody listening here who is saying, oh, maybe this would work for my team. What's the best way to go about it? Well, I would first talk with your coach and, you know, find out, um, you know, there's, there's a, a certain level of work that needs to be done around it. So you can talk to your coach. We can do some research to find out who on your team we have discs for and who we might need to get. Um, they'll, they can give you information about pricing. Oh, we've got a, a number of people in the organization that can actually facilitate the conversations. So we would then just go about, you know, making sure that we've got a time that works for you and a, and a process that works and, you know, love to travel. We can come to your location. Uh, pretty good at doing these on zoom. We can set that up too. So I guess the, the next step would be to talk to your coach first and see what, what, what we would have to do in terms of compiling the rest of your team's discs to get there. Perfect. Well, um, as a person who was just involved in one, I do think it's really, really impactful and would highly recommend the, the opportunity to do it if, it's, if it sparks your interest um, within your own organization. And Catherine, with that, we will wrap for today. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom as always. Oh, thanks Molly for having me. It's always great to have these kind of conversations and you make it so easy. Oh, well, good. It's an always enjoyable. And until next time. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.